The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. You're listening to an encore presentation of Pilgrim's Progress. We will not be taking calls today. Human beings have a high regard for what God hates because they have a different standard, a different judgment. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. I want to look with you at a story today. It's a strange story. It's found in Luke, the 16th chapter. Jesus is giving a parable to his disciples, but the Pharisees are also listening. He says, There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, What is this I hear about you? Give an honest account of your management, because you can no longer be my manager. The manager said to himself, What shall I do now? My master's taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their homes. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, How much do you owe my master? Five hundred gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it out for four hundred. He asked the second, How much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. Well, take your bill and make it eight hundred. Now the master commanded the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it's gone you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. This parable is a strange parable. not easily understood. But let's look at it. Let's determine its meaning. Jesus is trying to say to the disciples and to the Pharisees who are listening, this man was wise because he knew how to use money to prepare a place for him after He'd lost his job. Jesus is not commending the man for his dishonesty or his stealing from the master. He's saying a man who judges by the world has acted wisely. And then he's saying that you too need to act wisely in regard to the things of heaven. He says in verse 10, this is Luke 16, verse 10, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now the Pharisees are listening, and they begin to sneer at Jesus. And he says to them, 
You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men, but God knows your heart. What is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. What is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. Human beings have a high regard for what God hates because they have a different standard of judgment. God judges by one standard, they by another. God's standard requires universal benevolence. Their standard is satisfied with any amount of selfishness as long as it is sufficiently refined to meet the times. God requires men to devote themselves not to their own interest, but to the interest of those of his great family. He establishes one great end of all things, the highest glory of his name and of his kingdom. He asks them to become divinely patriotic, devoting themselves to the Creator and to the good of his creatures, Now, the world adopts an entirely different standard, allowing men to establish their own happiness. America has always said that man's inalienable right is the pursuit of happiness. Happiness as their end. It's interesting that some so-called philosophers have laid down the same standard that men should pursue their own happiness supremely and only take care not to infringe on others' happiness too much. Their doctrine allows men to pursue a selfish course, only not in a way to infringe too obviously on others' rights and interests. But in God's eyes, nothing is virtue except devotion to Christ's interests. The right goal is the general good of the kingdom of God, not one's own good. God's standard requires virtue, while men's standard at best only restrains vice. All human governments are based on this principle. They do not require benevolence, They only restrain selfishness. In the foundation principles of our government, it is affirmed that men have those inalienable rights. This is affirmed to be our personal right to pursue what we desire and to attain what we desire to attain. But God's standard requires benevolence. It requires a laying down of our lives. It requires something much different. Men's standard condemns nothing provided that man so restrains himself as not to infringe on the rights of others, at least in too obvious a way. We would say that a man who just takes care of himself and his family is morally righteous. Now, I don't know how to say this, so I'll just say it. Our churches are filled with eunuchs who are neutral. who never lay their lives down for Jesus Christ, who never lay down their lives for the cross, but instead they use the gospel to advance their own purposes. They find comfort in the gospel. They find comfort in the social network of the church. They find comfort in the entertainment of the church. How many times I've seen men and women come to the National Prayer Chapel and they're all gung-ho. And then when they begin to discover that 
the gospel is going to require them to lay their lives down, to lay down their beloved professional sports teams, to lay down their television watching, to lay down their entertainment, lay down the wickedness of this world and pick up the cross and follow Jesus. They're gone. So the churches today are filled with eunuchs, with little men with no vision, with men who are feminized, who are nice. You know what the word nice actually means? It's an old French word. It means stupid and foolish. And the church today is filled with stupid and foolish men. Men who only see their own desire and their own kingdom and they will lower themselves to use the gospel of Jesus with success formulas, with affirmations, with, with all manner of entertainment. They will use all of this to somehow bolster themselves up so that they can go after their personal goals. Their personal goal is not Jesus. It is not the kingdom of God. I've been troubled by this for so long. I, I've looked around in the church and I have said to members of the National Prayer Chapel, where is your flock? Where is the fruit of your testimony? Oh, they'll come and they'll bring their family. They'll enjoy the church. They'll even give a little tithe and offering. But they're neutral men. They're soldiers of the cross. They're not a man's man. I'm so tired of this. There has to be a confrontation regarding what the gospel of Jesus is truly about. It is not about seeking my interest. And I'll tell you, just between you and me, I'll tell you, I am actively crying out to God. Our elder board is actively crying out to God and saying, Oh God, send us men and women, people of means, people who will lay their lives down for the gospel of Jesus Christ, who will say there is nothing more important than the advancement of the kingdom of God. Men and women who will say, I will not simply be an entertained bench warmer. I will be actively involved. I will sacrifice all that I have to advance the kingdom of Jesus Christ. The church was never meant to be a social network. It was never meant to be a center of entertainment. It was never bent, it was never meant to be a huge building filled with lukewarm people who were neutral, who don't want to make any enemies, who don't want to do any battle. People who want the church to be warm and comfortable and happy and nice. Well, I'm sick of nice church. I'm sick of nice church, stupid and foolish church, dead, twice dead. And at the National Prayer Chapel, we're praying for revival. I heard a man this week arrogantly say, I'm an intercessor and I do powerful high-level warfare in the kingdom of God. And he said it with so much arrogance and pride. It broke my heart. We can't use the flesh to advance the kingdom of God. We can't use the world's methods to advance the kingdom of God. He wants men and women humble before him who will lay on the floor and cry aloud to him, Men and women who will then be filled with the Spirit of God and stand up and say, 
It's time for a few good men and women to make the fight for Jesus Christ in this wicked culture that we're a part of. I don't care what this culture thinks about me. I don't care what anyone except Jesus thinks about what I say and what I do. I want to please Jesus. I'm not going to walk that neutered fence of being nice. I've had it. I'm over the edge. I'm sold out to Jesus. I'm not going back. How many of you who listen to this broadcast belong to the kind of church I'm describing, the the eunuch men, the the pleasant words, the happy songs, the entertainment, the jokes and the laughter? I tell you what, when a group of men gather and they're facing a mission and they're being briefed on that mission and they know they could die, they're not laughing and joking and they're not bringing in beautiful music and they're not doing all the things that happens in church today. Do you know that if you honestly turn to Jesus Christ, you give up being nice and instead you walk in the true love of Jesus Christ, you'll make enemies left and right. Friends will leave you. Who have you won to Jesus? Some of you have been Christian for years and have never won one person to Jesus Christ. You have never confronted the wickedness of a man's heart in such a manner or a woman's heart in such a manner that they repented of their sins and turned to Jesus and were transformed and left their wicked life. Why? Because you're a neutral Christian. You're a lukewarm Christian. You have no salt in you. There's no bite. Now, we refer to the being the salt in Scripture, and usually I've always heard the traditional interpretation that salt means making things taste better or preserving things. That's not the salt meaning Jesus has in the Scripture. He means the bite of salt. Put some salt on your tongue. There's an acid reaction. There's a bite. Do you have any salt left in you? Or are you a a bench warmer? Your pleasant little church in your nice little social circle. You're a neutral Christian if that's the case. You're a eunuch Christian. That's not how I choose to live. And I come on this broadcast day after day, crying aloud that you would turn from this neutral Christian position and get serious about your life in Jesus Christ. And it's like I'm playing pleasant music to you. Well, I'm not interested in being being pleasant music to your ears. I'm interested in you turning to Jesus Christ with all your heart and with all your soul. I'm not willing to be morally neutral. And yet this morality is often spoken of in, in a manner that shows that the world holds it in high regard. But does God look at our moral neutrality? as being righteous. No, it is an abomination in his sight. How do I even talk about this today? The facts show that that the church today has set up a false standard which is highly esteemed, but God abhors it. There has to be a change. We cannot seek our own ends. We cannot seek doing something for ourselves. 
while the gospel of Jesus Christ languishes and America is destroyed, not because of the wickedness of the pagans, but because of the neutrality of the Christians, who will not stand up and say, abortion is sin, it is murder, stop it. Who will not stand up and say, it is wrong to walk in the ways of this world, the wickedness of the movies and the wickedness of the sports and the wickedness of the Kardashians, the wickedness of our world. Christians must stand up and separate and not be a part of that and say, it is wrong and I will not participate and I will not be silent. I will lift up the cross of Jesus Christ. Often we hold in high regard selfish ambition. There has to be a change. The world has what is called good husbands, good wives, good children. But what sort of goodness is it? The husband loves his wife and seeks to please her. She also loves and seeks to please her husband. But do either of them love or seek to please God in their relationship with each other? No. Nothing could be further from their thoughts. They never go beyond the narrow circle of self. They pamper and caress each other. They seem to take some interest in the care of their children. But so do the chickens in the chicken coop. So do the elephants. So do the whales. That is a natural inclination to care for our children, to care for our spouses. That's not... That's not the high end we've been called to. We've been called to serve Jesus. The world has lost the idea of true Christian faith. That's also true of the Christian church in America. Professing Christians judge themselves falsely because they judge by a false standard. It is this neutral stand that we have all come to love and respect because it does not put us at risk. If you don't risk, if you're unwilling to lay your life down for Jesus if you will not stand up and be counted as a follower of Jesus Christ, if your life does not reflect the morality of Jesus Christ, then you are a neutral Christian, which is no Christian at all. By this I mean that people take no action Some people complain that they have no conviction. If they would take the right standard and judge themselves by that standard, they would quickly have conviction in their hearts. Suppose you had let a house burn down and made no effort to save it. What would you think of the guilt of stupidity and laziness there? Two women and five children were burnt to ashes in the fire. Why didn't you give the alarm when you saw the fire taking hold? Why didn't you rush into the building and drag out the unconscious residents? Oh, you felt tired that morning. Just as people talk of being tired in the Christian faith. Well, you hope not to be judged very hard since you did not set the house on fire yourself. You only let it alone. All you did was nothing. 
That's what many people plead regarding the Christian faith. They do nothing to pluck sinners out of the fire. They seem to think that it's a very valuable faith to be neutral. They enjoy the benefits. But is this the Christian faith that Jesus died for? Is this the Christian faith that the Apostle Paul went on his missionaries' journeys for? Obviously, you know the answer is no. Many people who have a Christian hope indulge it on merely neutral grounds. They say, Jesus loves me, and I know he loves me, but they're not bestirred to leave their sin, and they're not bestirred to save their husband or their wife or their children. They're not bestirred to spend hours in the prayer closet pleading the blood of Jesus Christ, asking for the revival and the awakening in America as they enjoy the benefits of American culture. I often ask people, how are you with Jesus? And many of them answer, I'm doing great with Jesus. And yet they're actually doing nothing that is really a part of the Christian faith. They're making no effort to save souls. They're doing nothing to risk for the Lord God of heaven. A man comes to church and he says, this is my family. But he never pays a dime of tithe. What would happen if he were in his house? And he said to his wife and his children, I'm I'm so glad you're my wife and you're my children and I love you with all of my heart. But he doesn't pay the mortgage and he doesn't pay for the electric and he doesn't pay for the the water, or the trash. He just wants to come home and his wife is supposed to have dinner on the table. And then he goes and spends his money on sporting equipment, on other things that interest him. But he never pays for the mortgage. Would you say that man loves his wife and his children? And would you say that man deserves to sit down at the table and eat the dinner the wife has prepared? Of course not. You'd say, kick the bum out. And yet many of you say, I love Jesus. You attend church. But you're unwilling to lay your life down for the expense of that church. I know a church right now, I I spent time with the pastor. It's a large congregation and they're very much in debt, having to lay off staff. I spoke with one of the members, he approached me. He knew I was a pastor, I meet him at the health club where I go to work out. He said to me, I'm leaving that church. I said, why are you leaving? He said, because I keep getting these fundraising letters and I'm tired of them asking me for money. What? Have you laid your life down yet for the kingdom of God? Or are you going to throw a five or a 20 in the offering plate once in a while and think you've done your duty? Are you kidding me? This pastor is burdened to the point of breaking. While sitting in his congregation are men and women very able to step forward and lay their life down for the church, but they're unwilling to lay their life down for the church or for the gospel of Jesus Christ because they're spending all of their time and their money for the pleasant American culture. Now I tell you, I grew up in a home where my mom and dad did not make a lot of money. But dad made a decision that he would give 50% of everything he earned before taxes. He would give 50% of everything he earned before taxes to the kingdom of God. 
my mother, who also worked, said, and yes, Matt, and I'm going to find a family in the Philippines. I'm going to find a young person who can't go to Christian schools, and I'm going to pay her way through Christian schools. This precious woman was carried by my mother all the way through grade school, high school, and college until she graduated as an RN. She paid all of her expenses at great sacrifice. But you should have seen the joy in my mother's face when she received the letter thanking mother as this young woman graduated with her RN and a four-year college degree. And the commitment of this young woman to do the same for others and to serve Jesus with all of her heart and to lay her life down as a missionary for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I was raised in a home where we were not neutral about the gospel. The example of my mother and father was stunning. When my mother was 70 years old or somewhere around that age, she found out about a hospital in Africa that desperately needed a lab set up. And because there was no air conditioning, they needed to do the lab tests manually, as my mother had. She was a bacteriologist. In fact, she was the head for many years of a bacteriology lab at a local hospital in Sharon, Pennsylvania. And so mother gathered together all of the equipment. She was gratified with the donations that many people in America made. And she had it all shipped to Africa, and then she went to Africa at her age because the love and desire of her heart was to serve in the mission field. And up to that point, she'd been unable to, but had seen her duty to give freely of her funds and to work actively in her local church when she should have been retired. She went to Africa as a missionary and set up and trained the staff to function in that beautiful lab. Have you laid your life down for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are you making any effort to save souls? I praise God some of you who listen to this broadcast are laying your life down with me for this broadcast. You're contributing at a level that is sacrificial. I praise God for you, and the Lord Jesus Christ will richly reward you because you're laying your life down for the gospel. You're not just saying, Pastor Greenlee's a nice preacher. I am highly insulted by such comments. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. You see, the Christian faith is very easily understood. It is warfare. And until you get into the war and sacrifice your life for the war, you're simply a eunuch Christian, neutered, dead, lukewarm, ready to be spit out of the mouth of Jesus. I'm talking about money, but I'm talking about much more than money. Jesus was very clear in this passage in Luke 16, you cannot serve God and money. You can't do it. The money that Jesus puts into your hands is to be used for the kingdom of God. It is to care for your body and yourself and your family so that you can be a missionary family in one of the most wicked nations of our day, the United States of America, or to go to a foreign country and serve there. We are called to lay our lives down. Right now in China, there's a whole movement of missionaries from, the, from China and from the Philippines 
where they're saying, we're going to go to Saudi Arabia's household servants. People with graduate degrees are going and functioning as household servants in Saudi Arabia and other nations. And the reason they're going is to witness to that family, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And many of them end up, and they knew this in advance, knowing they would be beaten or beheaded. And many martyrs have come from these wonderful missionaries. What has the gospel of Jesus Christ cost you? I know. In the world's eyes, the good Christian is never abrupt. He's never aggressive. He's to be greatly admired for his neutrality. The Christian today in the worldly church has a selfish devotion to pleasing other people, keeping the peace. And it seems that nothing is admired as much as this is. Take a minister who does not have an enemy in the world. It's said of him that he is the most Christ-like among all the men. It's strange that a man so like Jesus Christ would have no enemies, for Christ had a great many enemies, very bitter enemies, who in fact put him to death. Second Timothy 3.12 says, All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. If you look more closely at this, wonderful pastor who keeps the peace you'll find he never wants to say anything that would upset anybody you'll find him at all of the parties the church holds and the members hold you will never find him confronting sin you will find him giving wonderful positions to people in the church make him an armor bearer make him this make him that so he can put him in places of honor so that they'll continue to be a part of the church. What are we going to do? I am very blessed today by the certainty that the only thing I need to care about is pleasing Jesus Christ. The only question I need to ask is what will Jesus think about what I'm doing? We have only one person to please, and that is the God of heaven and earth. Is this your single aim? Are you pleasing God by your life of devotion and sacrifice, and prayer? Are you a part of a church that is godly, that's standing faithful and true in this world, and not compromising with the powers of darkness? Are you walking in such a manner with Jesus that you know beyond any shadow of a doubt that he is pleased with you? Do you have any response today to what I've said? Does it make you upset? Does it make you angry? Do you recognize it's true? How are you standing? What are you sacrificing for the kingdom of God? I am tired unto death of the neutral church. The church with no salt, with no bite. I'm utterly sick of it. I understand what Jesus says when he says, I want to vomit it out of my mouth. Your love or your affections. 
you can be sure that those affections and that love will carry you. If the world has your love, you will spend your life for it. But if truth has your love, if Jesus has your love, you will go exactly where he carries you. If your love is not sincere, it will leave you at the prison door. When times get tough, you'll walk away. When the pastor says something that displeases you, when he doesn't acknowledge you and pet you and fawn over you, you'll get angry and you'll leave. When your love is for professional sports or the television or your lifestyle and the pastor speaks against these things, you will be angered and you will walk away. If your love or your affections are if your love and your affections are true to Jesus they will carry you to Jesus Sister Gwen is on the line let's take her call May Jesus bless you today, Pastor Ray. Um, The message today that the Lord is speaking through you is so encouraging to my heart. I couldn't sleep last night at all. Maybe I've gotten about a couple of hours of sleep because what the Lord is speaking through you today was on my heart. And um, I I don't know. It it was just on my mind. But the answer and the comment that I want to make to what you're saying, the sacrifice... You know, and there's a scripture that says, um, His grace is sufficient. Through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm so thankful that He has placed in my heart the ability to to have made a great sacrifice in the 40 years that He's been in my life. I don't know what it means to live in my home without taking in those that didn't have a home. And the 40 years, I've been married 40 years. And it's been people in and out living with us, not weeks, months, sacrificed my vehicle, just taking people that were in need, you know, to prevent them from standing in the snow or the um, heavy winds or rain, my clothing, and, you know, just so I could just name so many things. And I just rejoice because... Through Christ coming into my heart, it has just made my heart, which I was was such a hard-hearted person when I was a sinner, and so selfish and vain, I could just write a book on vanity. And since he came into my life, he has just made my heart soft. And, And just sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. It's just been 40 years of sacrifice, so much so that I have said to the Lord, am I ever going to live a normal life, a life where it can just be, you know, the things that he blessed me with, I can enjoy them? It hasn't been that way. He has just given me the grace to just give up so many things. And I'm so thankful for that message because, like I said last night, I just couldn't sleep. I was thinking on what you're preaching about today. And um, and I was just asking the Lord to just make real First Corinthians 13 chapter in my life. Let me be let me be a live epistle representing that uh, verse of scripture. So that's what I wanted to say. And I just want to encourage the radio listeners that I've been listening to you for years. And when I first heard the message. I, I would say, love Jesus, had the Holy Ghost, and as I was listening to the message, I broke down and started crying. Didn't know why I was crying. And I, I, and the message was similar to what you're preaching today about self-denial, sacrifice, and even though that was so many years, over 10 years ago, 
the Lord used that message to let me know that we die daily and the life of sacrifice is until we see his face. So I'm so thankful for the message and I encourage the radio listeners to continue to listen to the word of God that come through you because if they take hold of it and let it sink deep down in their soul, they're going to become like Jesus. And yes. they will be ready to meet Jesus when he called their name. So I'm driving, and um, but I have my earphone on, and I, that's all I wanted to say. I just want to say, Sister Gwen, I've known you for a long time. Yeah. And I and I agree with what you're saying. You have laid your life down for the gospel of Jesus Christ at times when it was most yes. impossible because of family circumstances. Yes. And you have continued to do that. And I praise God that you are not a neutral Christian. No. That your voice comes clear with love and compassion, but straight as an arrow. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just keep on, uh, Pastor Ray. Just, I mean, Jesus has sent you not just to this nation. He has sent you to the world. So I'm just so thankful for you. And I just pray that everyone that's listening will understand that is Jesus in you trying to get them to become like Jesus. God bless you. Thank you, my sister. I'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. I urge you to go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. If you're looking for a place where you can get serious with Jesus and where you're not going to just be pleased, but where you're going to be confronted to get out of your neutral place and get real, then I invite you to come to the National Prayer Chapel. We meet at the All Saints Anglican Church on Gideon Drive in Woodbridge, Virginia, right next to the Hilton Memorial Chapel. Our service begins at 12 noon on Sunday. It begins with a half hour of prayer. This is an invitation to those who are serious, who are tired of their neutrality, who know you need a change in your life, you're tired of that worldly place that perhaps you've been a part of. And so I welcome you to come. Our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, you'll find directions and all the information about the church. We are called the National Prayer Chapel, but the chapel is a full church. And we lift up Jesus. That's what we're about. Now there's a scripture I want to read for you. It's found in Philippians, the second chapter. Verse 14. Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God, without fault in a crooked and depraved generation, in which you shine like stars in the universe, as you hold out, the word of life, in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. I don't want to run and labor on this radio station for nothing. I need to see the fruit of the gospel working in your heart and in your life. In verse 17, even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with all of you. So you, sh you too should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else, I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. Mr. Producer, what did you say? We have the five-minute warning. There's time if you call very quickly. Verse 21, For everyone looks out for his own interest and not those of Jesus Christ. I'm asking you today, will you look out for the interest of Jesus Christ and put all of your interest subordinate 
to the interest of building the kingdom of God. This month is always a very difficult month financially for those of us on the radio. If this message, day by day, month by month, year by year, I've been a pastor now, I just celebrated 45 years of pastoral work. If this message is of value to you, then I ask that you not be neutral, that you pour out a blessing for the word of God that's going out. I don't sell things. I'm not going to do money deals. Send tithes and offerings. That's how the work of the gospel is to be supported. So go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, if you need the address. I look forward to hearing from you, and I am humbled. I am humbled by the way many of you have sacrificially poured out your life that this broadcast can continue. Thank you. Now let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, my heart is sick. I could barely sleep last night. I was awakened every couple of hours to pray, to cry out to you, to say, Lord, there has to be a change in the ministry at the National Prayer Chapel. There has to be a change on this radio broadcast. Lord, there has to be a change where men and women will step forward and say, I'm willing to lay my life down for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, for the neutral Christian to be transformed into your likeness, to recognize the selfishness of our day, to see and understand the darkness that has come over us, the cloud, the deadly cloud of poison from the devil's breath that has poured into the church, the muzzle that's been put on our mouth. Oh, Lord God, there has to be a change. There have to be men and women of courage who will step forward sacrificially and say, it's not enough that we're on the AM. We have to go. We have to go national. We have to take this gospel to the United States. There has to come a time when we say we're on fire and we must do something. We must rescue men and women. Lord, I just lift before you now each person listening to this broadcast. Break the neutrality of their heart. Break the pleasing spirit. Make them lion-hearted, courageous, unafraid to call sin by its right name and with love and compassion minister to those who are on their way to hell. Lord, move in power, please, today by your Spirit and rebuke the devil and push him back. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm Ray Greenlee. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel. I'm looking forward to hearing from you a testimony that you're no longer a neutral Christian, that you have chosen to bestir yourself, to discomfort yourself, and take up the affairs of Jesus Christ. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.